Hear the word of the Lord from the prophet Isaiah. A shoot shall come out of the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide by what his ears hear. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt around his waist and faithfulness the belt around his loins. The wolf shall live with the lamb The leopard shall lie down with the kid, the calf and the lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the asp, And the weaned child shall put its hand on the adder's den. They will not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain. For the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord. As the waters cover the sea. On that day the root of Jesse shall stand as a signal to the peoples. The nation shall inquire of him. And his dwelling shall be glorious. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. If you would allow me just a moment of personal privilege, I always hate to interrupt worship with such as this, but we want to thank you for your wonderful welcome, uh, Cindy and I. Um, We've had a busy week and we've had help from those among you to help us unload and we actually have a little apartment here and we have slept two nights in Waco. So we're excited about that and excited about the days to come and excited to share life together with you, Lakeshore. We are grateful. Let's pray together. Gracious and loving God, you are with us in this place. You are here this morning, and God, if you were not here, nothing else would matter. And because you are here, nothing else matters. And God, it is that indescribable mystery that is you, that you can be here this morning and yet we are preparing for your coming. God, be with us as we prepare. And because you are here, God, and because we call on you when we are in need, and because we are a community of people who find you in our relationships, we call out on behalf of those who are in need today. Among them, people named Vern, 
Christina, the family of Missy, Joyce, and Joan. And God, there are other needs in our midst, needs that you know, needs that you can name, even when we can't. And God, we pray that you would be present there. Because if you are present, nothing else really matters. And God, because you are present, may you speak and help us to be present to those around us and to be present to you in the moments to come. And God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts together be found acceptable in your sight. O oh God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I think that I shall never see a poem lovely as a tree. A tree whose hungry mouth is pressed against the earth's sweet flowing breast. A tree that looks at God all day and lifts her leafy arms to pray. A tree that may in summer wear a nest of robins in her hair. Upon whose bosom snow has lain, who intimately lives with rain. Poems are made by fools like me, but only God can make a tree. That was the poem Trees by Alfred Joyce Kilmer. I heard audible uh, recognition in the crowd of that one. You probably studied it in school. Hear these words by Mary Colburn Veal. We are the trees. Our dark and leafy glade bands the bright earth with softer mysteries. Beneath us, changed and tamed, the seasons run. In burning zones, we build against the sun long centuries of shade. We are the trees who grow for man's desire, heat in our faithful hearts and fruits that please. Dwelling beneath our tents, he lightly gains the few sufficiencies his life attains, shelter and food and fire. We are the trees that by great waters stand, by rills that murmur to our murmuring bees, and where in tracks all desolate and waste, the palm foot stays. Man follows on to taste springs in the desert sand. We are the trees who travel where he goes over the vast inhuman wandering seas. His tutors we in that adventure brave. He launched with us upon the untried wave, and now its mastery knows. We are the trees who bear him company in life and death. His happy sylvan ease he wins through us. Through us, his cities spread that like a forest guard his unfenced head against storm and bitter sky. We are the trees on us the dying rest, their strange, sad eyes in farewell messages. 
And we, his comrades still since earth began, wave mournful boughs above the grave of man and coffin his cold breast. And one more by Laura Niedecker. My friend tree, I sawed you down, but I must attend an older friend, the sun. What is it about a tree that our, even our best poems fade in comparison? When I was 18 and leaving North Little Rock for Baylor back in the day, back in the back in the back in the back in the day, my Arkansas-born and bred family asked me, why are you going to Texas for college? It's flat and treeless. Who would want to live there? I told them that, that Waco had some trees, you know, in, in the Cameron Park and down by the Brazos, and, and that it was only truly flat and treeless out in West Texas, and, and I would never live out there. <laughs> Five years later, that's exactly where Cindy and I were, but, but that's a story for another sermon. Right now, we're talking about trees. I love live oak trees. They spread their limbs out and keep their leaves all year long. They provide lots and lots of shade. As you all know, there are many live oak trees on the Baylor campus. There's one right in front of Waco Hall that's massive now and was massive 40 years ago when Cindy and I would sit in a swing hanging from one of those muscular limbs. What is it about a tree? Growing up in Arkansas, I learned a lot about trees. I learned about pine trees. Pine trees have a long, long taproot that goes straight down into the ground. When I was a kid, my dad and I were pulling up a little pine tree that had planted itself in our backyard. The little tree was probably only about four feet tall, but the taproot was at least that long. We pulled and we pulled, and we pulled, and we finally got that root out of the ground. When a bad storm with high winds comes through, sometimes a pine tree will just snap over and fall to the ground. It has a limited ability to sway with the wind because the roots don't go very wide. When we lived in Arkadelphia, as soon as we could afford it, I had all the pine trees taken out of our yard. Because when a pine tree snaps in a storm, if it's a tall one, it can go all the way to the slab and injure or kill people inside the house. What is it about a tree? While pine trees grow their roots straight down, oak trees spread their roots horizontally. And they go as far as they can go. Their roots go wide, but not very deep. If you have a windstorm after days and days of rain, you often see oak trees blown over, roots and all. The entire root ball is then exposed for all to see. The tree's roots didn't go deeply enough, and the wet soil simply couldn't hold the tree up in a raging wind. What is it about a tree? Trees do lots of great things for us. One thing they do is filter carbon dioxide out of the air. 
It's been estimated that if every person on earth planted a tree, we could reduce the amount of greenhouse gas by 6%. Now, 6% is a bigger number than it seems. That could be a climate game changer. And just think how bad climate change would be if we didn't already have the trees that we have. Yet another reason we so desperately need to preserve the Amazon rainforest and maybe plant some trees. Trees provide us beauty when our hearts are needy, shade when the sun is hot, wood when we need a table or a chair, and a symbol of strength when we feel weak and inadequate. What is it about a tree? The psalmist says this, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. The prophet Jeremiah echoes, But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in Him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. In today's text, Isaiah is talking about a tree. In this case, it's the family tree of their once mighty monarchy, the Davidic line of kings. It's the family tree of their nation, their source of power among the neighboring nations, their source of identity and security. Isaiah says it's been cut down, dropped to the ground, fallen from the sky. No more shade, no more swings hanging from its branches. Their nation is in an unexpected, chaotic, and terrifying time. Their safety, security, and very identity are under attack. The tree is gone. But Isaiah says the tree will sprout again. Isaiah proclaims that even this dead stump of a nation has the hope of life to come. There's a small, green, leafy sprig emerging from that graying, dead stump that once supported a great nation. Something new is on its way. The sprout from this dead family tree is God's one to come. One that is strong, wise, and understanding. Righteous, faithful, and fair. This one will be an advocate for the poor, for justice, and for the ways of God. Isaiah is describing the long-awaited Messiah, God's chosen one. The tree is not dead after all. There will be a second chapter to this story. But what will that chapter look like? Isaiah continues 
with a description of the world that is to come. But it's not what the listener expects. The world to come isn't going to look like the world before. Something subversive is at hand. Isaiah's ancient listeners expect a mighty warrior to lead them back to political power and economic greatness. They're looking back to the days of Solomon when the other nations respected their power to make war. But Isaiah describes a world where peace reigns supreme. Wolves are going to be playing around with lambs instead of eating them. Leopards are going to be taking naps with goats instead of ripping them limb to limb from limb. Lions are going to be out in the pasture grazing like cattle instead of on the hunt for something to kill. It's an unbelievable picture unless you can see it through the eyes of faith. It's a description of cosmic peace, a universal peace, as in peace for everything in the universe. A peace not just for humans, but for all of God's creation. A peace for everything that has breath, and maybe for everything that has life. Maybe for bushes and grass and bacteria and germs, and maybe for trees, too. You'll notice that the only humans mentioned in this cosmic picture of peace are who? They're children. Children playing with snakes. Children leading the way. No wonder Jesus said we were to become as little children before we could enter God's kingdom. Maybe you have to be like a child to truly understand the peace that Isaiah is describing. What a beautiful world. A world of peace that goes deep all the way down to our very atoms. A peace that's so incredible, so beautiful, so pervasive that it transcends language. A peace that can only be described in metaphor. An unbelievable peace. A peace brought to us by God's anointed one. God's chosen one the one whose coming we anticipate this beautiful season of Advent. You've probably already realized that I love trees, short trees, tall trees, skinny trees, broad trees. I would never call a tree fat. <laughs> Cindy and I are fortunate enough to own a little cabin up in the Ozarks. It's on the side of a mountain and it has a wonderful, wonderful view. I don't know if that's God's country or not, but you can see it from there. And we have a porch with a swing on the side of that cabin. And when you sit there, you can probably see for 50 miles off toward the horizon. And Cindy and I both love to spend hours just sitting on that swing, soaking in God's creation just like we used to sit on that swing in front of Waco Hall. But that view comes at a price. Every couple of years we, well, as in I, have to cut back the saplings that spring up on the hillside. It's just amazing how quickly they grow 
and how tall they can become on that steep incline. If I don't cut them back, we'll have a cabin with the woods, in the woods, instead of a cabin with a view. And it, it's tricky, tricky getting around on that hillside, and I have a small chainsaw that I do the work with. And every time I clear those trees, I tell Cindy, maybe I won't ever have to do that again on that hillside. But guess what? Yep. Those dead, gray, small, rotting stumps that I leave behind will sprout again the next spring. And in a couple of years, they'll be threatening to block our view yet again. The warm sun and the soaking rays that are common in the Ozarks will sustain new growth in those seemingly dead stumps. Even on a steep hillside, where you wouldn't think anything would find enough soil to grow, they come back. What are the stumps in your life? What are the parts of your life that seem like they'll never live again? Where do you need to find peace this morning? Unexpected peace unlikely peace, subversive peace, cosmic peace. I'm here to tell you this morning that this peace is both in the here and now and in the future to come. It's a peace for the universe, but it's also a peace that soaks down into the smallest parts of our lives. It's a peace for our relationships and it's a peace for our very souls. That's the peace for which we're preparing this Advent. A peace that comes from the unlikeliest of places, even from a dead stump. May it be so. Amen. Let's pray together. God, we know you are here this morning. And we have asked you to speak. And we ask also that you would help us listen. And God, we know when the sermon is over, you still speak. And we pray you would continue to speak as we bow before you this morning and offer ourselves to you. It's in Jesus' name I pray.